So Ephesians chapter number 2, we're going to be looking at something this, uh, this afternoon about, about where we stand with God and, and kind, of, kind of what He's done for us. And, and I guess we could say almost in a way what, what's just practical for us and who we ought to be. And, and let, me, let me kind of give you a picture while you're turning there. So Ephesians chapter number 2, uh, verse number 1 is where we're going to be starting and reading several of these verses. Let me tell you a story. Yeah, a long time ago, there was, this, there was this fella, his name was John. And John was a guy that, he come from a pretty poor, poor family. They didn't, they didn't really have much, but, but boy, John was a hard worker, real hard worker. And, you know, he, he did his very best to be able to provide for his family. And he was, you know, kind of had a young family. And, and so what John would do is every day with, with kind of the work that he would have to do, he would pick up this old car. You've seen the old wooden carts. It's like a wheelbarrow, but they're bigger. You know, he would pick up this cart, and, and old John, he would take this thing, and he would push it into town every single day, hauling, hauling his goods and his crops, and he would take them to town and try to sell them. And, man, it was, it was back-breaking work for him to get out there and to, um, to, to get into the ground and to till and to plant and to, 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 you know, to, goodness, to pick his crops and to put them in his cart and to, to push them into town. But he would work. He was a hard worker. And so after doing this for many, many years and just doing his best to kind of scrape and get by, his family looked at him and says, man, we've got to do something to help John out. He's, he's, doing, he's doing a lot of hard work, but we want to do something for him. So his dad got together with all the rest of the family and said, hey, we're going to do something. Let's see if we can't get John a tractor. Man, if we could get this guy a tractor, he could get out there and he could, he could get into his dirt so much better. It would be easier on him. He could use that tractor to haul it on into town to sell his stuff. He could, he could get so much more done if he just had a tractor. So his dad got everyone together and they started saving up some money and they got it. And they went and they bought this brand new tractor. And then they went up to John and says, John, we've got something for you. And they showed it to John, and John just couldn't hardly believe it. His eyes were just big, and he says, well, man, I can't believe you guys would do something so great for me. He was excited, and he's, he's looking at this thing. He's like, boy, this is wonderful. So John had himself a brand-new tractor he could do his work with. And so, so man, they kind of had this big to-do, and so everyone, they went, to, they went to bed. And the next day, John got up. He was getting ready to go to work. And instead of going over to the tractor, John went over here, and he picked back up his cart. And he picked back up his hoe. And then he started hoeing in the ground again. He reached down with his hands. He picked up his crops and threw them in his cart. And he pushed them on into town. And his family watched him leave. It's like, John, what are you doing, man? You've, you've got this tractor over here. Why don't you use your tractor? I mean, that's, that's why it's there for. He says, oh, this is just, it's just what I know. I just had not got used to that tractor yet. And this went on for, you know, a couple, couple weeks. And, and then finally one day, John's dad that got them everything together to buy him the tractor said, John, why aren't you using the tractor I got you, son? That, that's what it's for. Man, we all want you to do good, and this is to help all of us. Get, get your tractor and use it for what we got it for you for. Now, that would seem kind of crazy for John to keep going back, and day after day, instead of using his tractor, he would get this cart, and he would get his hoe, and he would pick it with his hand, and he would push it on into town. Now, why would a guy do something like that? Why, why wouldn't he use what's available to him? Why wouldn't he do something that's so much better? It's like he had this great gift that was wasted. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever had a gift that someone gave to you that ended up being wasted? Do you realize that sometimes we see God gave us a great gift? Now, not that we'll, our salvation doesn't work, 
But I'm saying God, He is our Father, and He went and He paid this great price for me. Now, how come I still go and live the old way that I used to? You see, God paid this price to buy me and to, to clean me up and to give me a new walk, to give me a new life, to, to make things so much more glorifying to Him. But yet, I still go back and live my old life. Why would I do that? It's like I take this great gift God has given me, and then I waste it. I don't use it. Why would I do that? Well, folks, what we're going to see in the book of Ephesians, chapter number 2, this is one of, your, one of your New Testament books, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians is a small book. But in chapter 2, we're going to see what God has done for us. And then we're going to ask ourselves this question. How is it that we waste the things that God has done for us? Well, let's read what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1. And you hath He quickened. That means to be made alive. He rose you up. You, you were made alive. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, and hath raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Lord, help us to understand this great gift that You have given us. This great gift of salvation You've so graciously bestowed upon us. Lord, help us to understand what this means for us today as we walk our daily lives. Lord, time and time again, the Scripture calls us to holiness. And I pray that you would help us to understand that now, even in this passage of Scripture. And may we honor you tonight. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Well, I want to show you what you used to be. Kind of like that old boy John we were talking about. The way it used to be for him is he would take his, his shovel, he would take his hoe, and he would get out and he would work, and he would pick this thing up and push it. That was the old way he used to do things. Let me show you the old way we used to be. In verse number 1, he talks about how we used to be spiritually dead. We used to be spiritually dead. Do you realize tonight that when you were born, your spirit was dead? Your spirit was, it hadn't been made alive yet. Now, here's what that means. I know what we're thinking. Now, well, now wait a minute. From the time I was born, I thought I had a spirit that, that, was, uh, that was either going to be in heaven or was going to be in hell. Everyone has a spirit. Now, that's true. But when we saw, talk about us being spiritually dead, while my spirit, when I'm born, I still have it, it's already on its way to hell. It is already not knowing Jesus Christ. It has already not been forgiven. I have that original sin. So it is dead in the sense that it's kind of on death row. I've not been forgiven. 
I have not been made alive. And I understand, you know, when we talk about little ones and babies, there's that, there's that time of innocence where they're not held accountable yet. But just generally speaking, our spirits, they're born dead. So he says that in verse number one. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be spiritually dead? And I'm going to ask you this question. Here's what we're going to find out tonight. Are you living the life of a dead man? We're going to see what a dead man looks like. So he says, all of you, you Christians in Ephesus, two letters are written to, you used to be dead. Now let's talk about what that means when you used to be dead. He said, number one, you used to live according to the ways of the world. He said that in verse number two, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. So a person that's spiritually dead, they've never been saved. You know what they do? From the time they're born, this is the way that I used to be before I, well, before I trusted Christ as my Savior. I only had one thing to live for. That was me. I was looking out for number one. I was going to do what made me happy. I was going to do what I wanted to do. I was going to have my job. I was going to have my life. And whatever I could do to chase a dollar, that's what I was going to do. Whatever I could do that was going to make me happy, that's what I was going to do. What was I doing? I was living out the only thing I knew. See, someone that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, they are going to do whatever makes them happy. Which, by the way, you'll find that in a lot of other religions this world pushes. These religions will say, hey, you need to do what's going to make you happy. Hey, you come join up with our religion. We're going to, we're going to make you the way that, that you ought to be in the sense that we're going to fulfill your greatest desires. We're going to do it for you. But folks, worshiping Christ, he says, do it for God. See, our focus is up here. Not here. But he says these that are dead in sin, that they're, they're living the life of the world. Now, when we look at the world, let me ask you, what do you see? When you, when you look all around what we have going on around us, is it a pretty good picture? I was talking to a guy that he was, he was a military man. He spent several, several years overseas. And he come back and he was telling me some of the stories of some towns he went to and some people that he saw. And he looked at me, and his, his countenance changed. And he said, I want to tell you something. I saw evil, and I looked it right in the eye. Now, what he meant was, is he saw some men overseas that he saw face to face, and he could see evil in their eyes. Folks, that's this world. Where, does this, where do these wars come from? Where, do, where does all the heartache come from? Where does, where does all those that would prey on these little children, where do they come from? That's the evils of this world. Now, from the time I am born, I am born a worldly man. I am born doing the things that the world would have me to do. I don't know to do right and wrong. Think about this. And I've used this example before. You know, and we're going to start seeing this pretty soon with this little guy because he's, you know, he's a newborn. We start to see as children get older, do we have to teach our kids how to lie? They just do it, don't they? I never taught my boys how to lie. How'd they figure that out? Did I ever teach my boys how to be selfish? Did you ever teach, you, you ever teach your kids how to, how to get angry or how to get into a fight and start a fight? Did you ever have to teach your kids to be prideful or to be bitter? We don't have to teach any of that. Why? Because our spirits, they are born dead. They, they have not been made alive with the, the goodness and the joy of Jesus Christ. They've not seen it. So they don't know no better because they are of this world. 
This is what he says in verse number 1 and 2. We were dead in our trespasses and sin, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. As a worldly person, those that are spiritually dead, they're going to do worldly things. So number one, we lived according to the world. Watch this. Who, and, and this is something that's hard to think about today. This is, this is what trips up a lot of people. I can't tell you how many times on this second thing. I've been reading. I'll be witnessing to someone. I'll read people as they're talking on the internet. And you'll, you'll try to witness to them. And they'll just say, I just can't see how an all-loving and benevolent God could ever let so much evil into this world. You know? And that's their excuse. They'll say that because there, there's no way that there's a God because if there was a God, everything would be good. If there was a God, there would never, never anything bad would happen. Well, I've got a little problem with that, and so does the Scripture. Look at what the Bible says in verse number 2 again. Those that are dead in their sins, in time past walked according to the course of this world, comma, the next thing is, according to the prince of the power of the air, comma, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You know who that is? That's Satan. You see... Satan, he is the one they're talking about here. The prince of the power of the air. Those that have the children of disobedience. Folks, listen. Yes, God is all-powerful. Yes, God is benevolent. Yes, this is God's world. But I'm going to tell you something. Satan's here too. Satan is running wild. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, he's like a lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. The Bible says Satan is a hungry lion just looking to do as much destruction as he can. And he's doing it. He, he, is, he is having His way with sin. And He has His children, the children of disobedience. I've always said this. Evil men are going to do evil things. That doesn't mean there's no God. That just means evil men are going to do evil things. You see, this is where those of us where I used to be, I used to be one of them. Before I was saved, I was just the natural man. Before I was saved, I had a... Dead spirit. Before I was saved, I did the worldly stuff. Before I was saved, I did the stuff that the children of Satan would have done. I was one of them because my spirit was dead. Now look what else we did. We walked according to the course of this world. We walked according to the prince of the power of the air. That was Satan. Look what else we did in verse number 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh. Conversation talks about this. You know, we use the word conversation to mean, hey, let's, let's sit down and have a cup of coffee. Let's, let's talk. We're going we're gonna to have a conversation. Many times in the Bible, conversation means not just my lips, but my feet, my hands, my expressions, the, everything. What you see about me, that is my conversation. So what he's saying is this. We had our conversation in times past with the lust of our flesh among those children of disobedience. So, what did I do as a dead man? Number one, I lived according to the world. Number two, I walked according to Satan's ways. And number three, I did it with all of his people. From the, again, the time we're born, there are very few that find the way of Jesus Christ. You ever heard the old expression, and I'm sure you have, Oh man, I've, I've become a Christian. I'm on the straight and narrow now. You ever heard that expression? Hey, I'm on the straight and narrow. 
There's a reason it's called that. Because the Bible says, few there be that find it. It is a very straight, it's a very narrow path. But broad is the way of the world. So you have all these people that are on this massive highway. We would say it's I-90 that's on the way, uh, the way of this world. But you've got maybe Rapple J out here that's the, and might not necessarily be straight and narrow, but it's the, it's the path that not many people find. It's the one that's different from the world. And so where I used to be was over here. I was on the broad path with a whole bunch of other people. And, and we were walking the ways of the world together because I was one of them. I was walking the way of Satan together because I was one of them. I had friends that we would rather do the things that were wrong than do the things that were right. See, that's the way of the dead man, the spiritually dead man. So what's the next one? He says, we, we sin with others. And what did we do in all that? Well, look at the end of verse number 3. We were fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. So what else were we doing? We were fulfilling our, lush, our fleshly desires. We were fulfilling our mental desires. Hey, whatever I could think up in my mind that I wanted to do, man, that's what I was going to do. I was going to do it. If I wanted to get mad and start a fight with you, that's what I was going to do. If I wanted to go out here and rob a bank, well, man, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do whatever my flesh and whatever my mind decides it wants to do. I am going to do what I want, and I'm going to do it with my friends, my other fleshly friends. You see, that's the way of the dead man. Now watch this. That's the way we come into this world. That's the things that children already figure out. You don't have to teach a kid to go after the things that you want. Because if he wants it, he's going to go after it. You have to teach children not to. You have to teach them restraint. No, don't play with the lamp cord. I don't care if you want it because the thing will hurt you. You know, you'll end up getting shocked. You have to teach them don't go after what you want. So what did Christ do for us? He starts talking about it in verse number 4. By the way, these two words, some of the greatest words in all of Scripture. But God. You see, we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but God did something about it. I was, I was this wicked, unnatural, or this natural man, but God did something about it. Verse number 4. But God, who is rich in mercy... For His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, hath quickened to be made alive, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. And hath raised us up together and has, and has made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what did He do? First, I was born spiritually dead. Then Jesus Christ quickened you. That's as if to say, he reached down in your spirit and he flipped on the light switch. He made your spirit alive. He took that sin away. He gave you a conscience. He gave you the Holy Spirit. He gave you something you didn't have. He quickened you. You see, that's what salvation is. And there's some things that come with that. He made us alive and then he gathered us around him. Look the way it says that in verse number four. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, but even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. He brought us together. 
And then he says and continues in verse number 6, And hath raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So I see that I now have something together. I am with Christ. I am with other Christians. I now have something totally new I didn't have before. See, me having this on switch in my spirit where I've been made alive, I can now see things totally different. I am now able to see things the way Christ does. I now am able to put on these heavenly sunglasses and see things for how they really are. I have something new. Man, it's like you walk into a dark room, then all of a sudden somebody flips on the light switch and, oh, hey, now I can see what's going on. That's what God does with your spirit. And He does that with these other Christians. And He puts us in heavenly places. And then look what it says here in verse number 6. And I love this verse. This is, that, this is something I had never considered before. He had raised us together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Then look at verse number 7. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Here's something I think, I think many of us don't know. We know that for by grace are ye saved. And that grace comes through faith. Because not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Now here's what he's saying. In ages to come, we're going to find out just how much grace we really got. And here's what I'm trying to say. I don't think we understand just how bad we really are. I don't think we understand just how much like the rest of this world that we really are. Because when ages to come, when I get to heaven and I'm with the Lord, I am going to see myself. I am going to look back and see just how dirty I was. Just how wicked I really was. And I'm going to say, wow, Lord, you gave me ten times more grace than I ever thought I needed. Lord, you gave me a hundred times more grace than I ever thought that I needed. I, I didn't realize I was that bad. Oh, the grace that you gave me. Lord, thank you for that grace. Because... He goes on to say that a lot of people think they can work their way to heaven. He says, no, it's not by works. It's by grace. And then he says there in verse number 7 that, that most of us don't really even realize how much grace we really need. We need a lot more of it than we think we do. It says, in the ages to come, he'll show the exceeding riches of his grace. So here's, here's what we try to figure out, though. And this is what we're learning. So if I used to be dead... And then the Lord flipped on the light switch and He made me alive. If I am now alive, how come sometimes I still live like the dead man? That's why we were talking about John a few minutes ago. John's got this brand new tractor. Man, how come he's not over here using this tractor? How come he's still doing stuff the old way? Well, how come Christians still do things the old way? How come Christians now having the light switch on in their soul, being made alive and having Jesus with them and, and knowing right from wrong and knowing the good things, how come they still go back into the old dirty muck and, and mire? See, let's look at the stuff that he said. He said, we used to live according to the world. Folks, Jesus gave you a new way of life. Because, let me tell you, if I were still a lost man today, I wouldn't be here I can tell you, I wouldn't be in church. I'd be out doing something else that made me happy. I'd be out camping or something tonight. I don't know. I mean, I, I now have a completely new outlook on life because Jesus made me alive. 
You see, and we used to say that we lived according to Satan. But watch this. Now, being made alive, you've got a new master. Having a new master, how come we still go do the things that Satan would have us to do when I know clearly full and well what God would have me to do? Why do we do that? You see, as someone that's alive, I now have a choice. I now have a new master. God is mine. But I still know some of the old stuff. I still remember them. Why do I choose to go back here and do all this stuff? See, that's not what God would want. So I have a new master. And look, we, we talked about how we used to do it with others, right? All those children of disobedience over here. But watch this. Now, I now have a new family. Man, God is my father. We see Jesus Christ. There's that elder brother type relationship we have with him, but he's also our savior. And then I have my, my other Christian brothers and sisters that love me and we want to do good together. Why do I still want to go back and make my old friends happy? Why do I still want to go back to the, to the old ways, those that still serve the world? Why do I still want to go out with, uh, with all my drinking buddies and do the old party and stuff? Why do I still want to do that when I've got new friends? I've got a new family. I've got a new way. Why? Why would I live like a dead man? And then we talk about how we have new desires. See, the old man, when I was dead... The only thing I knew to do was to make me happy. This is what's going to make me happy. Hey, I'm going to marry this person. I'm going to do it because that's what makes me happy. Hey, I think I'm going to take this job. Yeah, because that's what's, that's what's going to make me happy. Hey, I'm going to go to this place today because that's what makes me happy. You know what I do now? I'm over here saying I'm going to do this because this makes God happy. It's something new. It's, it's because I'm alive. I now know how to make God happy. I have a new mind. So why is it that I choose to sometimes still go back and walk like a dead man? See, Christians, why do we do that? And then the whole point I'm getting at is this. We have to learn to make the right choices. The lesson is we need to learn to walk as we are, just like that guy John. Why does he go back over here and pick up that old tractor and the hoe and do things the old ways, or the, the, uh, the old cart and the hoe and do things the old ways when he's got the tractors? Because... I don't know, maybe he's just, that's what he's used to. Maybe it's because he, in a little bit of a way, he likes maybe doing it the old way. Maybe it's just because he's a little bit afraid of using the new equipment, whatever it is, I don't know. But I want to relate that to us. Christians, you have a choice. You can either choose to do things the way God would have you. You can live life according to God's word. That's your choice. That is something that God has now opened your eyes and you can now see to do. You now know what God wants. See, the natural man doesn't. You now know what's the difference between right and wrong. A lot of times, your natural man doesn't. You now know how God would have you to live. You know what's holy. Man, we, we know how to do what's good. I didn't before. So what I've got to do is this. And this kind of goes back to what we talked about a little bit on Sunday. I have to make a choice to make myself spiritually strong. Remember we talked about Esau? Part of the reason that he gave up this entire birthright for just a little bowl of soup. Part of the reason he did it is because he made that choice when he was weak. He made that choice when he was hungry. Christian, if you are spiritually weak, what you're going to do is you're going to choose to do things the old way. But if you're spiritually strong, if you're spending time in God's Word, you're living out the life He would have you to live, then you'll start to see, wow, I can do things God's ways. I can, I can make the right choice. I can say no to the old ways. 
I can say no to those old friends. I can say no to Satan. I can say no to the world. And I can say yes to God. Because can I tell you this? There's something about, and I don't know why, there's something about the old ways that just, they just look good to our flesh. They do. They look good to our flesh. Me, me doing things the ways of Satan. Me doing things the ways of my ungodly friends. Me doing things the way that makes this flesh happy. They still, they still are, are, pretty, are pretty tempting. Take, for example, this. Why is it sometimes that you have men of God? I'm talking your pastors. I'm talking your missionaries. People that are full-time serving God. How is it that they can just one day say, you know what? I'm done. I leave it all behind. I am leaving my family, and I want to go run out with this lady here instead. I'm just done with all this stuff. It's happened. Why do they do that? Because in the moment, that's what looks good. To their natural old man, that's what looks good. But you see, my spirit's not dead over here anymore. My spirit's alive, and I know what's right. I'm not just going to do what looks good. I'm going to do what's right. So Christian, I beg of each and every single one of us, let's not live like we're dead. Is there something about you? Is there something about me? Let's ask ourselves this question tonight, because this is a question I have to ask myself. Is there something about me that looks more like the old man than it does the new man? Is, am I still living the ways of, of the old and dead spirit? Or am I living in the ways of the new spirit? And if, I'm, if I really look in the mirror for a little bit and ask myself, which one am I doing? I'm going to tell you, it almost sometimes makes me cringe how much I'm still like that guy. Because I know what's right. And my father's up in heaven saying, son, why aren't you using the tractor? Well, why aren't you living out the way I gave you? Well, why aren't you doing the things, that, the good way, the, the better way? I made you alive. I paid a price. I gave you your salvation so you don't have to do the old stuff anymore. Why are you going back? Do them the better way. Folks, God is begging in heaven and pleading with us. So I ask us this. Do we take the time to grow our spirit? Do we take the time to, to be the man of God or the lady of God that we ought to be? Do we take the time to, to live holy? Because, you know, we used to be spiritually dead, and now... We're made alive. Now watch this, and we'll finish up here with verse number 8 and 9. See, the last thing we saw was, I think when we get to heaven in verse number 7, we'll find out just exactly how much grace we got. And then these old famous verses, 8, 9, and 10. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You see, there's that gift that He gave us. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Did you see that last verse? You see, some people, they, they want to they attack that on to salvation. But you see, that's not part of salvation. When you see that word, and I want you to pay attention to this. You see that word unto, and I'm going to go ahead and underline that in my Bible. I thought I already had it done. In verse number 10 it says, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You could use the words in the spot of unto, you could say, for this reason. We are saved for the reason of good works. 
I am not saved by doing good works. He just said that in verse number 8 and 9. I am saved for the reason of good works. So he's saying this. For by grace are you saved. Hey, dead man, over here, you spiritually dead man. If I were the Lord, I would say, I'm going to pay a price for you. I'm going, to, I'm going to come. I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to shed my own blood so that I can buy you with a price. Now I've got some good works for you to do. I'm going to, I'm going to make you alive. I'm going to pick you up and set you over here. Now I have bought you and I have saved you unto good works. I want you to go and glorify me. You see, that's what God's saying. God didn't save us by doing good works. God saved us so that we could do good works. Look at it again in verse number 10, and we'll finish with that. For we are His workmanship. God's working on me. I am created in Christ Jesus unto, for the reason of, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. See, a lot of Christians, they want to do this. They'll know the difference between right and wrong. And they'll do some of these things the old way, and they'll say, oh, yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm saved, I'm forgiven. It's not that big of a deal, I'm forgiven. Well, yeah, it is a big deal. Because God continued to say, he didn't, he didn't save us and buy us and make us alive, and then, then that's just the end of it. No, He saved us. He made us alive. He quickened us so that we could have good works. So now I can do things better. So now I can do things the right way. Now I can do things the godly way and the holy way. Not the old spiritually dead man way. The new way. So Christian, know this. God saved you and bought you with a price. You're now His and you're now alive. You now know what's right and what's wrong. Let's choose to do things God's way. You know, when the time comes up and I'm tempted to do wrong, let's do things that's right. When I'm tempted to, to go back to the old life and do the things that make the flesh happy, let's do what makes what God happy instead. Instead of walking with some of those old friends that would want to suck me back into the things that are wrong, let's instead choose to surround myself with the godly friends that would help me to do what's right. Instead of me serving the things that are the ways of Satan, why don't I serve the things instead that are the ways of God? For He saved me unto good works. He saved me by righteousness. By, excuse me. He saved me by grace unto so that I could do good works. And folks, I want to ask you this. And this is, this is what's convicting to me. If I were to meet a complete stranger... And I were to meet this stranger and I were to spend maybe just one week with him. Would he know that I were any different from the rest of the world? Would, would he know that, hmm, that, that guy, he's just, he's different than everybody else. He's, he, he's, he's just kind of odd. There's, there's something about him that's, that's good. There's something about him that's, that's he, he's got some God about him. Folks, when, I, when people see me, I don't want them to see me. Because I know how wicked I am. When people see me, I want them to see God. I want them to see God through me. Do people see God through you? So I'm going to ask us a simple question and we're done. Are you living the life of a dead man? Are you still living in the old dead ways? Are you still out there with, with a hoe and a wheelbarrow? Doing stuff the old way that, that, that man God is getting no glory out of? Or... Are we instead choosing to do things God's way? Because He saved us unto good works. 
If we could, let's have every head bowed. We'll have every eye closed. And I'll just ask us here over the next couple minutes. Just that same thought. Why don't you ask it to yourself? Are you still living the life of a dead man? You know, having been saved by God's grace, we ought to choose a life of someone that's alive. Someone that's seen it. Someone that, that knows God's goodness. So here, just over the next couple minutes, I want to give us a moment to be able to do business with God. Why don't we just do that? Why don't we pray and ask God to help us make the right choices? To, to live different than this world. To live differently than the man that I used to be. God's the only one that can help us through such a thing. Our God in heaven, we love you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to live the life of not this old dead man, but Lord, the life of, of this man that has been made alive. You know, maybe that same question we talked about, could it be that when you look in the mirror, there's some things you see about yourself that you know are of the old and dead ways? You know, there's some ways that you used to live, and maybe they still look good, but you know that has nothing to do with how God would have you to be today. Is there something you need to change? Our God in heaven, we want to ask you tonight again for this help that only you can give us. Lord, you're the one that bought us. You're the one that paid that price for us to be made alive. Lord, help us never to neglect such a thing as that. Help us never to, to set aside the, the salvation that you have given us and to neglect the good works that we have been saved unto. I pray that each and every single day, you would help us to make the right choices, the holy choices, and to stay away from the ways of the world. Now, Lord, bless us as we all get ready to leave and, and to go our different ways. Lord, I know that you've got a plan for each and every one of us, and may we, may we honor you above all things. Now, Lord, we love you, and bless us now as we dismiss. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.